All right. All right, Jill, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. All the way from Australia. That's crazy. All the way from uh, the land down under, as they say. But um, Jill, <laughs> tell, tell the people, what do you do with yourself? So I've been a personal trainer for about 10 years now. I am also an elite level boxer. I started boxing about six, seven years ago, and I actually went to the Olympic trials for boxing in 2019. Awesome. How did you get into boxing? How did that start? Were you always into okay. boxing? No. Okay. So basically, I grew up as an athlete. I did soccer, lacrosse, dance, softball, all the sports. Um, and it was outside of college, actually. So I started very, very late in the sport. Um, typically, a lot of people start when they're like 9, 13, and then they start competing, and then they continue to compete throughout their life or however long they want to compete. So for me, outside of college, I'm a very competitive person. <laughs> so I needed something competitive. So I started doing um, like bodybuilding, like weightlifting more. And I was like trying to like, you know, out rep the person right next to me. And I'm just like, yeah, like we're going to, we're going to, we're having a game. He doesn't even know it. That was so, me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, yeah, too, yeah. So anyways, I just, I knew I needed something more competitive, something more performance based as opposed to like aesthetic based. Um, and I'm more of, like I said, I like to perform. I like to be fast, strong. I like to do all the performance aspect. So I was on my way to work every single day. I would drive by this boxing gym and on my way home, I would drive by this boxing gym. So I just kept driving by it, kept driving by it. And I was like, I should just go in. So one day on the way home from work, I stopped I stopped at the gym, went inside, talked to the guy at the front desk. And I was like, Hey, I want to learn how to box. And he was like, what, what's your experience? I was like, none. I think at the time I only knew who Mike Tyson and Muhammad Ali were. And I just knew their names. I knew nothing about boxing. I didn't even know what words to use. I'm like, I wasn't even sure if it was boxing that I wanted to do, if it was Muay Thai, Jiu Jitsu, I did, but I didn't know the words. The only word I knew was boxing. Wow. <laughs> so that was what I said. And he was like, okay, cool. Do you want to start with the classes? And I was like, um, no, just go ahead and give me a trainer. So he was like, okay. So the trainer called me the next day, he set up my sessions and then I went in and he was my coach from day one. I still have him today. So my coach Berlin Kearney from uh, Bomber Squad and it was just, it was divine time. Everything was just, it happened so perfectly because I didn't know that he was like one of the best boxing coaches in San Diego. Is that Bomber so got, Squad as in Deontay Wilder? Uh, no, no, that's Bomb Squad. Oh. Bomber Squad, yeah. Oh, with the ER. Okay. different, yeah. Who was first? I don't know. I'm <laughs> um, <laughs> so we're Bomber Squad. We're in San Diego, California. Um, so I got started with him. And we started training. And I was like, or when I first got in, he, was, he looked at me up and down. He goes, okay, let's go Barbie. Like, he was like, you want to, like, you want a box? Like, okay. So he was like, already not taking me seriously. I was like, I'll show him. I'll show, I'm an athlete. I'll show him. So our first session, I was getting into it and he was like, oh, you actually are picking this up pretty quick. So I think it was a couple months later, I was like, I want to fight. Like, I want to actually fight. And he was like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah. So he's like, lose 10 pounds. And he was literally just told me to lose 10 pounds to see if I, if I, if he could take me seriously, if I, I could be disciplined enough to do something that he told me. Yeah. So I was like, okay. 
So I lost 10 pounds and I had my first fight after a year of training or nine months after training, um, won my first fight and was also the female boxer of the tournament within my first fight. Wow. So I took that and I was like, let's see what else we can do. So I kind of just went from there, went to my next fight and I, and I was winning all my fights. And then, um, it was a couple, or was it 2018? I was like, "Hey, let's let's try for the Olympics. Why not? Let's just do it." How and I had maybe how long after was that? Um, so two, so three. No wait. So I started in 2015 or 2016. So 2018, I decided, or 2015, I started boxing. 2016 was my first fight. And then I decided um, in 2018 that I wanted to go to the Olympics. Shit, that's crazy. So very oh. condensed. <laughs> um, that's awesome. So I, I took that. So I took that mindset and was like, okay, so let's just run with this. Like I'm gonna go. I, when I do something, I do it 100. percent Like I'm not the type of person like, oh, I kind of want to do. If I decide I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna do it. So I took that and. I think it was three months after I made the decision to go to the Olympics, I went to a tournament and I qualified to go to the Olympic trials three months after I made the decision to um, fast forward. I went to the Olympic trials in 2019. So right before COVID happened um, was the Olympic trials. I went there. Unfortunately, I lost my third fight, um, but I went to the Olympic trials with only 13 fights. I was fighting girls that had over a hundred fights. Um, one girl, the last girl I fought was a three-time world champion. Wow. So I was very inexperienced coming into a world with a lot of very experienced boxers, um, not to give an excuse on why, on why I lost, but I was just excited to even just be there. So now my goal is to go pro um, July, August of this year, I will be having my pro debut. Awesome. Wow. What a ride. Yes. That's my story condensed. Yeah. Gee. So, um, yeah, just, so going back way before then growing up, mm -hmm. Jill, what were you mm -hmm. like at, I always ask my guests, um, what you were like at 14 years old. I like to take everyone right back, peel it all back. 14. Is that what you said? 14. I don't know why. It's just an age. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just an age I throw out there. 14. Okay. 14. I was still an athlete, but I was chubby. I was a chubby little kid. I was a chubby little kid. What was your sport? Um, at that at that time, soccer, and I was just getting into lacrosse. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was, I was. That's like when I, I think freshman in high school. So yeah, I played soccer, and then freshman in high school, I started playing lacrosse. Um, I was a chubby little kid. I was just always goofy, always funny, and I just like to make people smile. That was kind of like my whole. I think all growing up, that was just always what I wanted to do is just make other people smile, make other people laugh. So as a four, as a 14 year old, I was the same way, just had a few extra pounds on me. <laughs> yeah. Now I love that. Cause I know how hard, how hard boxing is, you know, it's such a, you know, such a hard sport. It's just you in there. Um, mm -hmm. They say the scariest part, not the scariest part, but the most nerve wracking is before the fight. Is that true? Like in the change room, just waiting. Yes. It's hurry up and wait. Yeah. It is, you feel every emotion, every single thing that could, you could possibly even imagine. You're, you're scared, you're happy, you're excited, you're nervous. 
Um, you kind of feel like you want to throw up, but you also want to throw down. So it's just like this awkward, like your body doesn't really know what to do. You're about to step into a ring and fight somebody. You've been training for months and months on end for a couple, three minute rounds. Like it's, it's such an intense feeling. But the second you step into the ring and the bell rings, you literally just forget everything. And it's just you and the person right in front of you. And it's just, it's beat down time. But it's you do you just don't feel anything and it's just like your adrenaline kicks in. Like I for me when I box, if I get hit, I like don't even feel it because I'm just my adrenaline's just going and going. I can take a I'll take a punch. I'll be like, oh yeah, whatever, keep going. But you get to the point where your arms are literally somehow I feel like I can step out of my body, like hover over my body, see myself still fighting, and my arms go completely numb but I'm somehow still punching. Like it's the weirdest sensation. Yeah. It's just like an outer body experience. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. It's nuts, but that's nuts how you've done it so soon. Like there's been, there's been a couple of people that have had, you know, successful careers and started boxing at 18, 19. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I know like a lot of people start fighting at 15 years old and they've got amateur records of hundred, 150, 200. Mm-hmm. I love that jewel. Now let's fast forward to the nutrition stuff. How did you get into obviously coaching? How did you get into coaching? Let's start there. Okay. For coaching for nutrition? Oh, in general. Did you start off oh. being a personal oh. trainer in the gym first? Okay. No. Yeah. So, so 10 years ago, um, like I said, I grew up as a, as a chubby kid. So I was chubby. So it was basically me trying to figure out how to be able to shed the pounds and be healthier um, was kind of like my main thing. So, once I was able to do that for myself, I think I had lost like 35 pounds. I realized that it was something I had a passion for to be able to help somebody else do the same thing because I, I was ignorant. I didn't seek um, advice or help from somebody else to be able to show me how to do it. And I probably should have, it would have happened a lot faster. I probably wouldn't have tried all these crazy different things to make it happen. Um, but I was just kind of stubborn. So, but I still made it happen. And then now once I, once I had did that, I realized like, okay, there's probably other people out there. There are other people out there that are struggling with the same thing that I, that I was struggling with. So I wanted to be able to be that person, be a catalyst for their transformation, be a catalyst for them being healthy. So that was kind of why I stepped into being a personal trainer. Now that was 10 years ago that I started doing that. So since then I was able to, you know, train a ton of different people, help a lot of different people with their health and physical transformations. Um, Then it was a couple years ago that actually shifted my demographic to senior citizens. So I worked with more um, with senior citizens between the ages of 80 and a hundred with neurological diseases. So I started working with them doing personal training, especially using the boxing um, cause boxing, especially ones that have like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, uh, dementia, like more like the neurological diseases, um, boxing actually helps them stimulate their brain, which can actually help them with their, with reducing, not obviously you can't, you can't cure these, but you can reduce their symptoms of dementia, Alzheimer's, the shaking and Parkinson's, whatever it is. So I utilize boxing within my training with my senior citizens. So watch out. There's, there's a, there's 80 year olds walking around, know how to throw a punch. Oh, geez. My grandma's 95 and trust me, you, you wouldn't want to get hit by her. She gives you a serving. Yeah. 
<laughs> yes, one of my clients, she's 96. I just saw her today. We did some boxing. So you never know. They, they know how to throw down. But, how good is so, yeah. that? That's yeah, nice. yeah. So it, it's, it's so much fun. It's like hanging out with your grandparents every day and just seeing the transformation. It's different working with like the younger um, demographic versus working with the older demographic. Just just being able to help somebody walk again, being able to help them sit and stand up again. Like it's so life changing for them as opposed to us. Like we just want to get fitter and be faster. It's like, they just want to be able to live life normally again. Definitely. Well, the first thing you lose as you get older is power. So that's why boxing would be mm -hmm. great. Like they lose, mm -hmm. obviously lose strength, but power is another big one that people never talk about. So yeah, mm -hmm. I love how you balance. Boxing yeah. All of that. Yeah, definitely. So what are some things? So, so when a client comes to you, do you give them a, as you start them off with an assessment or do you start talking nutrition? Like at that age, what are their food habits like? <laughs> they just eat what, they just <laughs> eat whatever. Wine. Yo, I don't even know what some of, I don't even, I don't even know how some of them have even got this far with what they're eating. Like it's crazy. <laughs> um, but when I, so first of all, yeah, I do evaluations with my, all my clients and it was crazy, like having to go through the shift of working with younger people to older people and having to ask if they had any artificial joints. Um, that becomes a real thing at that age. Just knowing yeah. if like, do you have, do, are both your knees yours or are they both artificial? Do you have a rod in your hip? Like what medications are you on? Cause there are certain things I can't make them do like put their hands above their head if they're on a certain medication. So they kind of just being able to work with them and knowing, okay, these are the things I can do. These are the things I can't do. Now, as far as nutrition go, my senior citizens are probably the most stubborn when it comes to nutrition. Yeah. And that's just because of the way they grew up, the things that they were told that were like, yeah, this is healthy, which now we know aren't, isn't true. Um, and then just like, you know, the low fat diet, like some of them literally just live off chocolate, but water, they will not drink water. They love their coffee. They love their wine, but getting them to drink water is like pulling teeth. I literally went out and bought 15 bottles like this, like with a little straw on it, just so they would actually drink water because they're more likely to drink it if there's a straw. If there's yeah. no straw, forget about it. Good luck. So. <laughs> is it working? It's, it's working. Yeah. I just got my, my 96 year old. I just brought her new one today because her other one was getting kind of old. So I brought her a new one. I have she was she was drinking it i always bang on about the fundamentals like when when i start like, like like let's fast forward to nutrition now so when i start with a client i like to start with sleep obviously stress mm -hmm. water steps like boring stuff um kind of where do you start with people do you start with the fundamentals the boring stuff mm -hmm. or do you absolutely start yeah it'll take yeah, it'll take the whole, I mean, it takes a whole session to go over everything just to like talk about like their ha their daily habits, um, especially like if somebody's wanting to be healthy, it's going to be within the habits that they do daily. So being able to help them, okay, maybe we can kind of, let's start, I like to start small with people, not small, but like progress, you know, I don't ever want to have anybody to go cold turkey on something or just yeah, completely change something because it's not sustainable. They're not, they, they might do it for a couple days, maybe a week. And then after that, they're going to be right back with their bad habits because they're not used to that change. So, okay. Hey, let's start with breakfast. What do you eat for breakfast? Let's start there. Okay. 
now let's, let's just kind of tweak these things. Okay, you drink milk. Okay, maybe let's just switch it out to almond milk, coconut milk. Let's just make these tiny adjustments. Okay, now for the rest of the week, I want you to just do this with your breakfast. Okay, cool. All right, next week, let's adjust something else. So we're kind of just making these little changes to help them actually develop uh, better habits as opposed to, hey, let's just re-ramp your whole life. Here's a new meal plan. And yeah. I hope we're successful. Yeah, shit. I can relate to that so much. That's exactly what I do. Perfect. Uh, little, yeah, little things. So a big thing mm-hmm. I see is obviously breakfast people don't get enough protein in to start their day. Mm-hmm. And, and they go to lunch and they'll have like a salad with no protein. So a lot of the tweaks I'm making is just fixing up their mm-hmm. protein portions or just getting them to eat protein in general. Do you see that? Yes, protein actually tends to be, so here's the thing. I've I've noticed a lot of people don't even know what macronutrients are. They don't know what a fat, a carb, or a protein is. If I ask them, like, what's bread? They're like, I don't know, a fat? It's like, no, it's a carb. So they just don't know what each category is. So if I say you're eating more protein, they're like, well, well, what are my protein sources? And they, they think it's like, they'll, they'll, they'll know like the meats and stuff, but they won't know that they can get protein from other sources. Yeah. So yes, protein seems to be the main thing as far as people not knowing that what to even intake as protein or even different snacks that they can have. Or like you said, they go, they get a salad because they're trying to be healthy, but then they're not getting any protein on it. So then they're basically just like having water unless it's like a superfood salad with a bunch of different beets and vegetables on it. Yeah. So how do you do that? Do you get them to track via MyFitnessPal or do you get them to keep a food diary? Obviously obviously 95 years old, I don't think they'll be on MyFitnessPal. (laughs) That's a tricky one. So with with my older people, it's different. So I'm more like talking about like, my older people because they get there they live at a retirement resort so they get like they get fed different types of foods so mainly I have to go through their kids um and usually when it comes down to my older people it's actually um more healthy fats they're not getting a lot of healthy fats in their diet yeah um which you know obviously leads to like proper brain function so then I, so I try to get them to eat more like avocados, different types of like nuts, different stuff like that. So they can actually get those healthy fats. Now, like the younger clients that I have, then I usually will typically say like, Hey, like just for a couple days, like even maybe even before I adjust anything, like I want you to just log right out your food, what you're consuming. So they're actually writing it out and then they can bring it to me and I can see it. Now, as far as them after that, okay, now I can look at it and be like, okay, you're definitely not getting enough protein. Like you had one protein, you had two eggs that one day and that was it for your protein intake. Okay. So now let's use my fitness pal. And then I'll just start with them tracking one thing. Just track your protein. Let's just start there. Like, don't worry about the carbs and the fats yet. Let's just start with tracking the protein. And then that way we can at least make sure you're getting enough uh, grams of protein into your body first. (laughs) That's always, that's always where I start with people. I go calories, protein. And they're like, what about carbs and fats? I'm like, calories protein like don't worry, yes. about, don't worry about carbs don't worry about fats just get protein right first we're on the same page man i love it oh man it's so good now who did you go through did you do nutrition at university or did you do a certification because who yeah because you sound very similar because my mentor jason phillips he's the owner mm-hmm. of nci nutrition coaching institute and a lot of the things mm-hmm. you're talking about is a lot of the things he teaches Mm, yeah nope <laughs> no nah? oh, okay no i just That's awesome uh, I don't we're so know. alike 
Yeah, I just, I have a passion for nutrition um, and I like to learn about it. So I'm always like reading new books about it. I'm always researching things on it. Um, I take more of the holistic approach to nutrition. So that's more of like where my passion stands and just being able to teach people that, yeah, the macronutrients are important, but also the micronutrients. Like where are your vitamins and your minerals coming from? Are you getting quality food into your body? Are you eating organic versus conventional? Um, just allowing people to really, or being able to really educate people on nutrition so they can actually be able to make good choices and decisions for themselves. Yeah, definitely. I love that. That's massive. Um, now, Jill, let's talk about your, you in regards to cutting weight. What's your approach? How do you go about it? Do you water load? Do you cut water? Because I know a lot of people in the past, they've gone down the cutting water route, but now a lot of the yep. new thing is water loading. Yes. So I love this stuff. Now, now this might fly over a lot of people's heads, but let's just roll with it. Okay. So if you guys are talking about, obviously I'm a boxer, I have to cut weight. So I have to weigh a certain amount on the scale um, in order for me to fight. If I'm one ounce over my weight or 0.1 ounce over my weight, I'm disqualified. I cannot fight. So for me, my, my fight at um, 152 pounds, which is 69 kilograms. I, you guys go by kilograms, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So 69 kilograms. I'm also 5'10". So I'm tall. I don't know what, what you guys go by in there. So, I don't, so I'm 5 feet 10 inches. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, some people go off feet here, but we go off centimeters. Okay. Okay, centimeters. I don't know what that is in centimeters. So five feet, 10 inches, figure it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> 69 kilograms. So I'm really tall. Um, so I can't weigh 152.1. If I do, I can disqualify. So for me, I typically walk around at a 155, 156. I'm not too far above my weight. But it, even with those few few pounds that I do have to cut, have to cut because I already am pretty thin, it does take a lot out of me. So for me, cutting weight, um, I don't do the crazy, crazy things that I've seen other people do, like where they literally suck on Jolly Ranchers and they spit out every time they, they, they suck on the Jolly Rancher just to get more uh, saliva out of their body to have yeah, them crazy. lose ounces of water. Mm -hmm. It's dangerous. There have literally been people that have died from trying to cut weight. Um, so for me, before, like when I, when I wasn't, when I was trying to figure out my nutrition, what worked best for me, um, I was doing, I was doing crazy things. I'm not going to lie until I have figured it out within this past, these past two, three years or past two years, um, where I would have to stop drinking water at a certain period of time. Um, and I would stop eating every day at a certain period of time. Like I would stop eating at maybe like between probably one and two every single day. And I wouldn't eat again until the next day. And I'm training twice a day. So it was dangerous. It was stupid. And it was, and it was a lesson that I learned that I should not do it that way. Because when I went into my fight, I felt tired. I felt depleted and my legs got swollen. I could feel my legs get heavy because they have no electrolytes in them. Um, while I was fine. Thankfully I still won. But now I've learned not to do that. So I do, I, I drink um, probably a gallon and a half of water every single day. And now going into, going into the couple days before I weigh in, I just drop it down to about a gallon of water every single day. Um, and then I just kind of look at my weight and see what's going on. 
water is typically the last thing I try to cut out. If I can cut out something else, then I'll do that. But I try not to, not to cut out as much water as I used to cut out, where I would literally just stop drinking water, go into a sauna, dehydrate myself to make weight. Yeah. So now I've found a good place to, as long as I'm getting good quality food into my body, taking, getting that protein intake, getting my water, bringing my body into a space where I'm able to kind of already maintain my fight weight going into going into my weight cut it's not that hard i love that if that yeah. makes sense <laughs> oh, no it definitely does do you cut, do you cut salt carbs out when you're leading into that week do you do any um, salt or carbs it, de- it depends it depends mm. on where my weight is at so oh, okay. yeah some some yeah so sometimes i do have to cut salt out and then sometimes i do have to cut carbs out and i'll just bring in more protein at that point Um, or even more like avocados or healthier fats at that point yeah so it just it's it's different every single camp because it's just depending yeah so what about so during um obviously well not pre-season or whenever it's not it's not footy it's not nfl but when you're when you're training getting ready for a fight are you tracking your macros tracking calories keeping calories nice and high or you're just eating, fueling yourself as you go? I'm in, I'm, okay. I'm intuitive with my eating now. Yeah. I had to track before though. So I had, I did track macros. I weighed out all my food. Um, I did all that for years. So I think because I got so used to doing that, I was able, it did kind of make me a little stir crazy after a while, just having everything, oh, I got to track my food, how much calories am I getting? Um, where I'm able now to step away from that and I'm able to know because I weighed my food so many times, I know what four ounces of protein looks like. I know what six ounces of protein looks like. I know what a cup of, a cup of sweet or sweet potatoes looks like. I know, I know what the amounts look like where I don't have to measure physically anymore. And that's more of me for me mentally because it was kind of getting to a point where I felt like I was too obsessive about it and I had to, I had to let it go. So for me, I'm more intuitive. I try to listen to my body, what it's telling me that it needs. But also if I do track, but the one thing I do track when I'm in camp is protein, making sure I'm getting enough protein in for my recovery, um, especially with how much I train and um, I am sparring. So I am getting hit. So I need to be able to recover my body and recover my brain and be able to reduce the inflammation within my body. Yeah, I agree. It's, um, it is, after you've done it for a while, tracking your macros, tracking, tracking your calories, it does get, it does become a bit too much, but you kind of need to build up to there. Like a lot of people yeah. ask me, Matt, do you track at the moment? I've been tracking, I don't know, four months, three months, mm-hmm. but, um, if I want to lean down, well, then I'll start tracking. I'll dial it in a little bit, but people need to get to a point where they understand mm-hmm. how much they're actually consuming, how much protein they need throughout the day. So I think it is mm-hmm. important to a certain point. And then once mm-hmm. you once you achieve your goal, kind of back off a little bit. Yes. And I think also understanding like the quality of your food too. So like I don't know what what your guys' farming is like in Australia. I know here in America, um, we use a lot of like Roundup and glyphosate and pesticides and herbicides on our crops, yeah. um, which ha- has glyphosate in it, which actually kills off anything organic. So when we consume it, it actually kills off and sterilizes our gut microbiome, 
where our gut microbiome is responsible for filtering out toxins and also absorbing nutrients into the body. So if we're unable to do those two things, we're walking around with toxins in our body and then we're also we're eating all this food, but we're not absorbing the nutrients. So America is the most overfed but undernourished country because we have so much abundance of food, but the nutrients are not within our food. So that's why for me, I eat organic food because you're getting, and this is in America, I don't know what it is in Australia, yeah. um, but we are getting 70% uh, more nutrients from when I eat organic food. Organic is no pesticides, no herbicides sprayed with on, the, on, our, on those crops versus conventional, which is they're grown with the GMOs um, and they're sprayed with Roundup and all, the, all that crap that gets sprayed on them. So that's why I eat more organic food because when, you, when you're hungry, your body's craving nutrients and not calories. So when you're giving your body quality nutrients, you don't need to eat as much food. Yes. Agreed a thousand yes. percent. <laughs> Agreed a thousand percent. That's why protein and fiber is so important. Mm -hmm. what's some yes, exactly. What's some of your go-to veggies? Are you a big advocate for dark green veggies? So, okay, so this is something I started doing is I, I try to eat more in-season foods now. So I'll look at the foods that are in-season, and then that's those, I'll try, to, I'll try my best to stick to that list. Um, and that's because, like, pretty much, like, when you go to the grocery store, you'll see a watermelon there all year round, right? But watermelons are not in-season all yeah. year round. So when I, when I go to the grocery store, I try to look at the foods. Okay, these are the foods in season. For example, like when we just had winter. So I was eating more of the roots, like turnips, parsnips, uh, rutabaga, and endives, I think is how you say it. I can't remember. Um, so more of like the root foods I was eating during winter. because Those are the foods that are more in season. When you're eating foods that are more in season, there's gonna be more, they're going to be more nutrient dense. Um, it's, also more cost of, it's also more cost effective because they're more abundant. Um, and you're able to, um, they taste better. Yeah. <laughs> they taste better when that, they're in season. That's something I've never done, to be honest. Like I've never gone through and said, all right, these few months, this is the food, this is the season. That's great. I'm going to start doing that. Try it. Try it. Okay. Here, I'll tell you why. Try it because you end up being more diverse with your food. And when you're more diverse with your food, you are getting different diversity of nutrients into your body as well. And then you might find something that you consume. They're like, oh, my body responded very well to that. Yeah. Like I, I just started doing this um, this past year. So when I got to the winter months and I started eating more of the root foods, my body responded very well to eating root foods that I never would have had ever would have tried them if they weren't on the list of in-season foods. So you, you get out of this routine of eating the same vegetables every single day because we tend to eat the same things every yeah. single day, broccoli, green beans, asparagus, cauliflower, whatever it is, we yeah, tend so to eat true. the same vegetables, which means we're getting the same nutrients. So if we can switch it up, if we go by a, what we're eating in season, that means we have to switch it up. And if we go back in time, watermelon wasn't in season in the, in the summer. Tomatoes weren't in season in the summer, but we're consuming them. So now our body's a little bit confused because like, wait, why are we having these summer foods that have more, that have more water in it? Because in summer, we are more likely to be dehydrated. So you have more hydration coming in through these types of food. Um, there's something called lycopene in both watermelon and tomatoes, which is a natural sun 
um, and skin protector or sun and eye protector or skin and eye protector, sorry, from the sun. So we consume those foods during summer because it's like your natural sunscreen. So taking them in on winter doesn't really make any sense because is is it really benefiting your body that much? Because now there also isn't that many nutrients. It might've been grown somewhere thousands of miles away, picked early before it was ripe, brought to you. By the time you get it, you take it home, you consume it. It's already lost all of its, or not all of it, but most of its nutrients. Yeah, that's so true. That's I never. That's why I never write meal plans for people. It's always like a week to week basis. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are like, "Matt, can you write me something?" I'm like, "Look, sweet potatoes might sit right for me, but they might not sit right for you." Like, actually, right. for me personally, sweet potatoes bloats me. Yep, but, uh, broccoli bloats, bloats me. I can't eat broccoli or Brussels sprouts. See, it's it's crazy, and that's something people don't understand. They think what works for one person has got to work for another one. Mm-hmm. I think even blueberries blueberries are one of the most healthiest foods and so i think i forgot how most there's a certain percent of the population that actually can't even like digest blueberries properly that's crazy is that for yep. you too i can eat blueberries oh, okay but i can't yeah i can't eat broccoli or brussels sprouts blueberries by the kilo when you're cutting they're like yeah. goodness <laughs> yeah they're like blueberries <laughs> but um what's a common problem you see jill when you're working with your younger clientele is it coming from overeating? I'll just give you a bit of context here. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying okay. here, I know a lot of people from the States um, in the nutrition space and they say they're dealing with people with obviously bigger portions, just overeating, mm-hmm. eating less. But some, something, honestly, the past couple months I've been seeing is people coming from the under, other end of the spectrum in the reverse diet, eating mm-hmm. less, consuming hunger suppressants. And then I've got to come in and say, look, you got to stop dieting. And um, like a lot of my content is like, stop dieting, stop dieting, stop dieting. Yes, I love that. Um, do you see a lot of that or? Yes, both. So yeah. um, so there's a few things. Usually it's lack of education on food. So yeah. they just don't understand what they even should be consuming. So they think they're eating healthy and they're not, but that's just because they don't know. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is, yeah, there is a, a, a caloric surplus. <laughs> that it can be happening to, to, um, to have somebody that comes in that's maybe obese. But then I do have other bigger people coming in that are not, they're, in a, they're eating less food, barely anything, yeah. and they're still, they're still at a heavier weight as well. And I'm not, and this can be for people who, who are what they call skinny fat as well too. So for the people that come in to me that, let's just say, like I'll go, I'll go over. Okay. What are you, what are you consuming? And they I'll take a picture, take, send me every time you eat a meal, send a picture to me. I had somebody send me a picture and they were trying to lose weight. They sent me a picture of like a few slices of cucumber and like, a, like um, a little thing of hummus and then like a couple of celeries and like a little thing of like a literally measured out one tablespoon of peanut butter uh, and then like a shake. And then I think that was it. And I was like, that's what you eat in a day. No wonder you can't lose weight. Like your body's like, what the heck? Like it's trying to survive right now. Like that's great. How are you functioning right now? But then it also comes down to, are they actually telling me the truth too? You know, another big one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, You got to be transparent when you're working with your coach, whoever's listening, if you're working with a coach, you have to be transparent with your coach for them to help you as best as possible. If you're not transparent with them, if you're not honest with them, 
there's only so much they can do for you. Yeah, so true. Yeah, that's massive. Um, but in terms of metabolic adaptation, which is a term when you're under eating, where do you, mm -hmm. where do you start with people? Because obviously, obviously you've got to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. but, like how, do, how are we going to start getting food back into the body? Yeah, how are you going to attack it? Do you tell them like it's going to look, it might take 12 months, 24 months? Because I've worked with people that has taken like 24 months just to build them back. Because mm -hmm. obviously if you're, if you're under eating and you're super stressed and you're doing a lot of cardio, like the first thing I start with is stripping back cardio. It yeah. sounds stupid, but like I strip, it, I, strip it, I strip activity back, I fix sleep, and I'm like, look, this is what it's going to look like for the next four months. Right. Is that, is that kind of the approach you take, Jill? Yeah. And it's so for me, I try to like get more um, into their head. Like, why? Why are you not eating? Like, what is it? Like, there's obviously something going on that you have some type of relationship with food that you are either, either consuming too much because of your relationship with food or you're not consuming your food because of your relationship with food. And typically it's like, you know, as a trainer, we become a therapist as well. Yeah. Um, so maybe talking about something that's happened in the past, so you never know where it might've stemmed from. But tr for me, I try to really get people to open up and then kind of just be like, okay, let's really talk about this. Like what, where is this coming from within you that's making you look at food in this way because we can change the way you look at food and the way you look at yourself in the mirror every day, then that's going to help reflect in, in your healthy eating habits. But as far as bringing people back into um, bringing calories or nutrients back into their diet. Yeah, I do. It's, it's slow. It's a slow process. But again, it's also slow here too. So just having them understand like why we're eating these certain foods. Okay, now let's add this in. Same thing with cutting back the like the cardio. Like, okay, yeah, you run like five miles every single day and you're barely eating anything. Like what like what the heck is going on? So like, yeah, yeah let's maybe cut back the calories, do more weightlifting. Let's do more of the, let's do more of the lifting weights. Now I'm a boxer, so I am in an endurance sport. So my, I, I don't do, I honestly don't do a lot of road work. If I'm going to, if I'm going to do road work, I probably do two, three miles at max. Um, and then other than that sprints, it's going to be sprints. So, and that's because like the way we fight is quick, 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 relax, quick, quick, quick relax it's not a marathon when I when you fight unless you're doing like the 12 rounds so that's how I kind of see it as far as when I'm talking to other people about like their cardio and why they're doing so much cardio because they think that that's what's going to be the answer so when I explain it to them when you do let's just say they do an hour on the treadmill they burn on the thing if it's accurate yeah, <laughs> they burn yeah, they burn 320 calories on the treadmill over an hour. Let's just say that. You only burned 320 calories for that hour. The second you stop off, step off the treadmill, your body's not burning anything else. If you go into a weight training routine and you lift heavy weights, your body will continue to burn calories and burn fat over the next like 24 hours. So as opposed to that one hour, just that three, would you rather have one hour, 320 calories or one hour, burn that calories and have your body continue to burn fat throughout the day? While you're sleeping. A, you're, while you're sleeping, you're literally building a furnace within your body. So muscle is the wood to your furnace.
I love it. That's what I try and tell people. And a lot of girls, they come to me and they say, Matt, I don't want to look like I don't want to get bulky. I don't want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I was like, look, if it was that easy, everyone will be mowing the lawn with no shirt in winter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is so, it, and that's the thing, ladies. Don't let the weight scare you, okay? They're not going to make you big, bad, and bulky unless you actually go through a program to make yourself look that way. Maybe take a little extra juice. I don't know. But the weights are not going to make you look that way. They're going to make you look toned and fit. It's not going to be like this, oh, my gosh, I have, like, these huge biceps now because I lift a 20-pound dumbbell. Yeah. (laughs) So what's your exercise routine look like, Jill? So you said you train twice a day. What's that look like? Obviously, there's got to be some component of um, skill boxing work. Yes. So in when I'm in camp, which is uh, camp is considered eight to twelve weeks, eight to twelve weeks out from a fight. Um, it's a little bit different versus what I'm doing now. So in camp, I'm training um, two times a day, maybe five days a week, and then. Uh, one day it's more of just like active recovery and then one day of rest which is still like maybe I'll go on a hike or I'll just do something kind of simple or stretch or get a massage whatever I still I'm still doing something yeah Um, I'm never just like not moving but like now because I'm not technically in camp I train twice a day three times a week Um, and then the other three days a week I'm still training and then have one day one rest day so for example um, I do what we call like focus mitt work about three times a week. So what that could be like technical training. So whether that's technical mitt works, technical technique on the bag, um, going through drills, working on strategy, uh, theory of boxing, like those types of workouts. Um, and then I do sparring. So sparring is going to happen probably, probably about one to two times a week right now. When I'm in camp, it's usually about two to three times a week. Um, and then I do strength and conditioning. I do that twice a week. I do one week, I do one day where it's just lifting. So I don't do like any type of conditioning. It's just lifting, um, like power lifting. And then I, and then the other days I do more strength and conditioning where everything's kind of combined, but that's more because it's my sport, um, uh, where I'm trained to have fast reflexes. Um, I have to train for cardio, my endurance for cardio. Um, but then also I have to obviously be strong because I'm, you know, trying to knock people out. So, <laughs> yeah. What, what's your strength and conditioning sessions look like? Is it like a lot of med balls, box jumps? Um, it's, okay. So leg work? it's different every single time I have a coach yep. for my strength and conditioning. Um, so he's really good at just kind of switching things up. Um, so some days we'll focus like it, it, it's the focus is always different. So sometimes strength and conditioning will be more strength and yep. sometimes strength and conditioning will be more conditioning and sometimes okay. it's a, a combination of both. Yep. So, um, but yes, we do a lot of agility, a lot of like jumps, um, like a lot of like balance training, stability. Um, like the other day he had like this long wood pole. So the wood pole doesn't weigh anything but he strapped a, a band to one side with a kettlebell tied to the band and not on the other side. So only on one side. And I had to hold it above my head and walk down to a certain amount of yards and walk back without like letting it teeter, keeping my body as straight as possible. And then keeping the bar above my, keeping the bar above my head while just the weight is on one side. Of of the bar. That would have been great. Yeah. So stuff like that. It's just, he gets very creative. Um, we do a lot of planks. Um, 
a lot of like a lot of ab work obviously because we're getting hit in the body so we want to be able to protect our organs yeah um pull pull ups push-ups and then we'll do like the traditional weight training as well hitting the bar deadlifts are probably one of my favorite exercises i tend to be that's where i'm strongest at are my deadlifts yeah you get a lot you get a lot out of deadlifts it does a lot a lot of muscles working yeah we use the we usually use the trap bar so sometimes we'll go for strength where we put on more weight and then sometimes we'll go more for reps where we lessen the weight but we're focusing more on the coming up the power and then just like how many how many we can do but with good form yeah awesome even in my group sessions where I've got about anywhere from 10 to 30 people in a class, I'm always telling people it's about speed up the bottom and then mm-hmm. absorb on the way down. Like I like to train people, even if it's a 40 year old mom, three kids, I like to train them like athletes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stuff. And they love that. They love that because they want to feel like they are. So like let's treat them like that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, now, Jill, moving forward in terms of business, so how old are you at the moment, Jill? I'm 31. All right. How long do you plan on boxing for? What's the future look like? You want to turn pro? You've still got another good four years? Yes. So I plan going pro July, August of this year. Um, like I said, like I did start late in the game, but it's a little different for females than it is for the male professional boxers. Um, honestly we just don't get hit as hard as the men so our careers can last a little bit longer um a lot of the females that i know of they tend to go pro between the ages of 28 and 33 um that's also just because females in the sport of boxing is starting to come up a little bit more. So a lot of the females are a little bit older where now you're gonna start seeing younger females starting to come into the pro world at a younger age. So it's starting to, the females are starting to have a rise in this sport. So you're definitely gonna see more females uh, coming up in the sport as well. So pro debut, July, August, um, and then probably gonna have a good couple years with my career get world champion yeah. who knows maybe i'll fight in australia i don't know Ooh, yeah <laughs> um, and then i'll probably end up retiring and then end up you know making sure i'm getting other other i really want to be able to help other support other female boxers and other female fighters um sponsor them help them get through the ranks it's especially get them noticed because that tends, tends to be one of the harder things it's just to get noticed and to be put on a card and that actually to get paid what we should be getting paid yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm glad um, female boxing is taking off too. It's, um, it's really good to see. And one thing that is for you is that you didn't have a massive amateur career. So you haven't no. taken that punishment for the past 10 years. Yeah, like, exactly. I only have six, I have 16 fights. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Cause a lot of, a lot of people turn pro after going so long in amateurs. So that's a lot of sparring. It's a lot mm-hmm. of work on the joint. So now that's awesome, Jill. You've definitely got a good, few years but there's an australian boxer that that's fighting in the states george cambosis have you heard of him his name sounds familiar i know more of the females um because i follow the females you you guys have a female boxer named ebony bridges ebony bridges no i haven't heard of, have her. You heard of her check her no. out oh, i'll Dave. definitely be checking her out she's the bomb blonde bomb bon, bon, blonde bomber oh my god i cannot talk um, she's the blonde bomber. So she took my name, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's really, she's good. She's coming up. Um, she's got a good following. So 
I know her. She's in Australia. Oh, awesome. There you go. Now, but George, I don't think I know of him. Also, yeah, so what's his last name? George Cambosis. Check him out. He's fighting Tiafimo Lopez. Oh, wait. Maybe I do know him. All tatted up. Full of tatted. Okay. Young little Greek kid. Unbelievable. Like, massive future. He's 25. Okay. I'm going to look him up. Because if he's fighting Tio, then I should know of him. Yeah. I know him. Yeah. I reckon so, he's the next world champion. You heard it here first on Chat with Matt. <laughs> I don't know what the date is, but anyway, I'll remind people. But um, anyway, Jill, thanks so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate your time. What do you want to leave people with? Because um, obviously, you know, you've done great things already at just 31. So, My whole passion is to be able to show people, other people, what they are truly capable of. I feel like we all fall too short. Um, we all stop too soon. We give up. We quit right before we get to where we want to be. So my whole passion in life and goal in life is to be able to show other people that you can get past the point of where you want to give up. You are way more capable of what you even think you are capable of. That's where I'd like to leave that. I love that. It's just a mic drop. Do I drop the mic? <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, Jill, thanks for joining us. And guys, thanks for tuning in again. Jill, where can people connect with you? And uh, in terms of nutrition, how can they get in contact with you? Um, my page is called, or my Instagram handle is at JillyBeanFit. JillyBeanFit. I'll link that in the mm -hmm. show notes and in the group for you too. Cool, man. Thank you. And it's Thursday night here and it's Friday morning. Friday morning, about lunchtime now. That's so crazy. You're, I'm talking to you in the future. It's crazy. Every time I talk to someone in the, in the States, they say the same thing. So <laughs> it's awesome. Jill. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, and good luck with your pro debut. I'll definitely be uh, rooting for you, and uh, you got a supporter from Australia. Cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Jill, take care. Bye.